0: So Money, Episode 442, Mr. and Mrs. 1500, Early Retirees, Carl and Mindy.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors,
2: influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound
1: ways to live a richer, happier life. Welcome to So Money.
0: Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. Too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. Welcome to So Money, everyone. We're talking about early retirement here on the show. And whether you're 30, 40, 50, 65, My guest today will truly inspire you to rev up your retirement savings. Mr. and Mrs. 1500, they go by an anonymous title. Carl and Mindy are here, husband and wife. They're documenting their journey to financial independence on their blog. Their blog is called 1500days.com. And their goal is to have a portfolio of a million dollars by February of 2017. I learned in the interview they've actually surpassed that goal early so, how are they doing it? You know, how are they actually saving and making the wise choices to aggressively save million dollars or more in such a short period of time? Fifteen hundred days is actually the amount of days they estimated it would take them to save a million dollars. They started the blog January first of 2013, but as I just said, they have surpassed that in about thirteen hundred or so days. And on the show, they talk about how they reached all those goals and what's next? you know, they're both in their early 40s now. What are they going to do? How are they going to define this new chapter in their lives? And what can we learn? Here is Mr. and Mrs. 1500. Carl and Mindy, Mr. and Mrs. 1500, welcome to So Money.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Hi, Franus. Oh, hi. There there you go. I was wondering where Mindy went. Hey, Mindy. Hi. Um, Thank you for being on the show. Uh, We love talking to everyday people like yourselves who are on a really impressive mission to, in this case, retire early. That's uh, really taking your money to the max. Your blog is 1500days.com. And as I explained in the intro, the 1500 days is correlating to the number of days since starting the blog in January 1st, 2013, that you're hoping to accumulate about a million dollars in your portfolio. How's it going? Are you on track?
2: Yeah, it's going real well. Actually, it's funny You ask, we made our goal in April. Um, All so, right,
0: so early, yeah. early retirement. So what was yeah. it like? Fourteen hundred and ten days, or something?
2: You know, it's funny. I never sat down and calculated the number, but a reader did, and it was in the thirteen hundreds. It might have been like thirteen fifty six or something. Right, the mid thirteen hundreds.
0: So what did you do when you hit a million? Are now is it you have a new goal now to hit maybe a million and a half, or you're just kind of uh, enjoying the milestone?
2: Yeah, everyone always asks that. And uh, my goal right now is just to pack a little extra on top. My job will probably end later this year. So I want to fulfill the terms of my contract. And then after that, I'll probably depart and uh, start my new life.
0: And we'll get to what that new life will look like in just a moment. But some more about the 1,500-day journey. Why did you want to embark on this and why did you give yourself a goal of 1,500 days? How did you measure that to know sure. that that's actually achievable?
2: Yeah, this is a very recent goal and there's a little story that goes along with it. Uh, way back, I remember this day like it was yesterday. It was November 2012. I was having this horrific day at work. It, it was one of the worst days of my life, to be honest. And the thought and what that- do you
0: do for work? May I'm ask? a
2: computer programmer. Okay. And it can be very, very stressful at times. So it it was a bad day. And the thought that came into my head, I was 38 at the time. I'm like, there's no way I can do this until I'm 62 or 65 or whatever age people normally retire at. So I Googled something like, how do I retire earlier? How do I quit my job early? And the first thing that popped up was Mr. Money Mustache. And I had never heard of that before. So I clicked over and started reading through his stuff. And my, my first thought was... This guy retired at like 31 or 32. This has got to be some kind of pyramid scam or something like this. No one retires before they're 62. And then I started reading it and realized that the guy was legitimate. He put all his numbers out there and he put a clear, clear blueprint to how he did it. And there really wasn't anything. What he did was spectacular and abnormal. But on the other hand, it wasn't really. He just constricted his spending and lived a good frugal life and was able to quit. So, the first thing I did after that is figure out how much I spent. And I did this within like 10 minutes. I figured out how much we spend every year. And I figured out how much we would need based on the 4% rule, one of his posts, how much we would need to retire. And it came out to about 1,500 days. So, uh, I ran down to the kitchen and I told Mindy, I'm like, hey, all the all the stuff at work, I can quit my job in fifteen hundred days. And she's like, that's fine. And she was completely Really, unbroken.
0: Mindy, what 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 was your real
1: reaction? Just fine? <laughs> that on. I was I was fine with that. He is so at the time I was a stay-at-home mom. We had two small children, and he was um miserable in his job. He hated every minute that he was there. Not every minute, like 99% of all the minutes that he was there. He was just, he's a computer programmer, but his job has changed and shifted. And now he's more support and that's not what he enjoys at all. And he works for, he works on a medical device. So there's a lot of stress with the whole, I could kill somebody thing. Um, right. So he was, he was always stressed out. You found a way to get rid of your stress. Hooray we've always been frugal. So it wasn't like we were going from this super spendy life to cutting out everything and living on rice and beans so that he could quit his job. A million
0: dollars is a lot of money. But at the same time, to think you can retire in your early 40s with a million dollars, I don't think that's really realistic. You have two kids, you have retirement, real retirement, which is for many people in their 60s, they're worried about health care and um all of the unknowns that may come with uh with aging, so with your one million dollar goal, how are you planning to now, in your new life, make the most of it?
2: Yeah, and actually, I thought our goal wasn't that it wasn't that crazy at all and it, there's a lot of dependencies on that too there's a lot of things that go into it. If you lived in San Francisco or Manhattan, I don't think you'd be able to do it, but we live in a very low cost area of Colorado. Our property taxes are thousand dollars a year. Um, So life is pretty cheap here and we can get by in about $2,000 a month and we don't live super frugal either. We take nice vacations. We've been to Hawaii three or four times. We travel hack it to do it. But yeah, I think I've got a pretty good buffer. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an issue for us. I think we're going to be able to continue to save even after we retire. And that million dollars doesn't count other sources of income. Uh, it doesn't count social security, which I think will still be around in 20 years, maybe in diminished form, but I think we'll still have it. And I, I think our side gigs are probably going to bring in income too. You know, it might not be a whole lot, but when you're not living on a whole lot, when you live a frugal life, you don't need a whole lot to really move the needle.
0: Right. I mean, I, I guess, mean, I guess practically, practically you have a million, million in savings, savings now, more- which is earning interest. And then if you bring in some side income to kind of just pay the bills, that's a pretty nice cushion. What are your side gigs?
2: um the blog is my main side gig and uh Mindy actually got a job through my blog which is ironic cuz she didn't think the blog was a good idea in the first place and now she has a great job as a result of the blog so uh we're not sure how long she'll stay there she loves it so it might be for a while but uh yeah we're not sure so blogging's my main side gig but I do lots of home rehabbing stuff, and people have asked me to help out with their rehab, which I enjoy. Which
0: Mr. Money Mustache does, too, and he's, of course, been on this show. He's a a very popular listen. I'm looking at your blog, actually, 1500days.com, and you are very transparent. You talk about your investments, where you started in 2013 with $586,000, and now today you have a net worth of about 1.3, which is uh, you almost doubled- um, your where you where you started you more than doubled actually. I don't understand though how you went from five hundred eighty six thousand dollars in year one to eight hundred sixty nine thousand dollars a year later.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. three hundred
0: thousand dollars almost. Are you making a million dollars a year? How did you save that much money?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, there's two things that really go into it, uh, and one of them is serendipitous. We bought a house. We weren't sure that we were going to buy a rent. Uh, we bought a house for really cheap. It was this dump of a Fannie Mae foreclosure in a really great neighborhood. But for some reason, no one wanted this. Well, I know the reason. It was horrific. So we fixed that up. We bought it for about 176, dollars And now we could probably get over $400,000 for it. And that was a lot of hard work on, on us. We're still working on it to this day, almost done. And the other thing which I don't like to talk about, but I will, because I don't like to give people bad ideas, is... Uh, I've made some good stock picks. I don't endorse it, and it's not my new methodology, but I bought two thousand shares of Facebook at like thirty dollars a share, and now it's like one hundred and twenty dollars a share wow. so don't don't uh don't attribute that I'm some kind of genius, and it's kind of luck in my obsession with technology. I'm an index fund guy now, so
0: and so your investments when you have when you count your net worth of one point three five million, that includes equity.
2: That home? does mm-hmm. my pure stock value investment without that is about one million one hundred and twenty right now. Mm-hmm.
0: And while you're not a stock picker, can you share your investment strategy as far as aggressiveness versus you know? Now that you're not, you're soon to not be working. You're still young. You are. No, do you plan to tap this money in the next twenty years still, or or today?
2: Yeah, I think I'll have to tap my portfolio soon after I leave, especially when Mindy leaves her job. So I'm extremely aggressive. I I think I own $25,000 in bonds, and that was a very recent development. The way I look at it is there's a lot of time to recover. If something disastrous happened on day one of retirement, the thing I would do is just go back to work, or I could drive for Uber if I didn't want to work full time. You still have your
0: health, right?
2: Yeah, there's not – it's not – what I always tell people, people are always like, there's a risk of the 4% rule. It's not the same. The conditions aren't the same. And I acknowledge that. I think there's a grain of truth to that. But what I also think is there's a risk to working too long as well. If I die with $10 million in the bank, I'll consider that a failure too because I worked as hard and I worked longer than I had to and wasn't weren't doing the things that I really love. So,
0: Are you worried about not having enough to do? Mindy, you know... Maybe you were used to being the only one in the house for eight hours a day with your kids sometimes. But now you have your husband, which can be great in the beginning. But, you know, it's important to have a to-do list. Uh, Otherwise, it's just like, uh, you know, are you going to just hang out on Facebook all day? You know, so what is your plan as far as occupying yourself? Um, Do you have things that you know for sure you're going to be doing once you retire, quote unquote, retire?
1: So this is actually a really funny question because um Carl has actually said a couple of times when Mindy leaves her job, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. We planned for me to quit my job, which was not all that fulfilling when I was pregnant with our oldest daughter. Um, so, and I enjoyed being a stay-at-home mom. And near the end of it, our youngest just finished up her first year of kindergarten. And near the end of it, a job popped up that was... 1000% perfect. And I absolutely love my job. I don't currently have plans to leave, but it's also a really flexible situation. Um, Carl actually works from home and has worked from home since our daughter was about a month old. So he's always been there and he is the kind of person who never stops. His list of things to do is about seven miles long and uh, from time to time on the blog, I will even say to people, hey, if you have a way to get him to quit, let me know. If you if you know of a way to get him to stop working, I fully support that because he is stressed still at work and he's got a ton of things that he wants to do. He's got, he loves to program computers. He has about, what, 5,000 things he wants to do in computer world. And uh, one of the things that, another side gig that we're going to do throughout our uh, retirement, quote unquote retirement, is flipping houses. We've been flipping houses for a while. We've made uh, a fair amount of money flipping houses. And it's something we'd like to continue to do. He's really handy. We do most of the work ourselves. And so once he stops working at his day job, then he can start working for me. I have to
0: say, you know, uh what really is impressive is that you made a decision, you stuck with it in such a short period of time. It's so inspiring for everyone listening because I get people calling in or writing in and saying, you know, I'm I'm in my 50s and I'm worried about retirement. I don't have enough right now. How do I catch up? And um what would you be what would be your advice to somebody who's getting the awakening about making sure that they're financially secure in the future? later in life. They're in their 50s. They're maybe even in their early 60s. And they, you, know, you were fortunate at 39 or re- early in your 30s, you had half a million in investments. That's not most people, I don't think. Um, yeah. So what would be your advice to someone who's getting a later start?
2: Yeah. I want to tell a very short story before I say that. I, I always tell people the most valuable day of my life when I was 20, my college girlfriend took me to this investment seminar, which I don't want to go to, but it turned out to be really great it was a non-profit thing, they taught you the basics of investing and that set me on my path. At one point, um, one of the instructors looked me in the eye and said, your advantage is your youth, start now and I nearly, I, I don't know what happened but it was like the skies opened up and a rainbow came out and unicorns jumped over my head. But the thing I wanted to say about that is I remember that when I looked around the room, everyone there was like 50 or 60, I think there was one guy there who was 80. And uh, so, yeah, that's the paradox. A lot of people don't get the message until later in life. So back to your question, when people ask me that, I tell people the very first thing they should do is write down every single expense in a notebook because you'll be surprised. We started doing this and we're like, wow, we spent that much on groceries. Like, what were we thinking? So after you do that, evaluate every one of those line items and see how you can cut those down. If you've got some $100 a month phone plan, you can be on a $25 a month one these days. If you're paying $150 a month for cable, that's ridiculous. So the first thing is always to cut expenses because that's easy and that's something you can do immediately right now, right now, today. Uh, after that, increasing income isn't always as easy, but most of us don't work more than 40 hours a week. So there's all these new things in this new peer economy that people can do. How about you drive for Uber or Lyft? How about you rent out a spare room in your house through Airbnb? There's all kinds of little tweaks you can do to increase your income. So those are the two things I do. Cut expenses first and try to increase your income.
0: Yeah. I'd like to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Igloo, modern cloud-based intranet software that's designed for the way your individual business works. What Igloo does really well is connect three things, people, information, and processes. Everyone in your company has access to all the information they need using tools they already know all in one place. Dropbox, cloud storage, Google Apps, Salesforce, calendars, and more. It all integrates together in Igloo, and it's accessible on any device with an internet connection, letting your team communicate and collaborate from anywhere. And all of this works for both startups and big businesses. You don't even need an IT department to set it up, but don't just take my word for it. Check out what Igloo can do for your business. Go to igloosoftware.com slash so money and get your free trial of Igloo. A free trial that's really free because up to 10 users can use it for free forever. Join companies who've already made the switch to a better, more efficient, friendly internet. Go to igloosoftware.com, Slash so money and see how igloo can work for your company. And I like that you are emphasizing increased income. I think there's enough that we've said about cutting core, you know, cutting costs, and it's always a good reminder to check your expenses. But. More empowering, I think, to, to start thinking bigger about how you can actually increase your net worth through earning more. And you're right. Today, today versus 10 years ago, so much easier to start with the ad. Uh, with the advances in the internet and all the technology around us that can help us work remotely or cash in on the things that we have, whether it's a home, a spare room, a car. You can rent your car. If you don't want to drive people around, you can rent your car when you're not driving it. There are sites out there that can connect you with people who want to do that. Um, you are anonymous. You are Carlin Mindy at 1500 com, but you are not even sharing this with your family, which I find to be, has its pros and cons. The con being that, Maybe they could have been a source of support for you and you're missing out on that. What's your take on that? Why did you decide to be anonymous?
2: Yeah, my my family doesn't have the healthiest relationship with money. Uh, I think Mindy and I both grew up on lower middle class incomes. And uh, and, in both our families, money was very taboo. I remember asking my mom one day, hey, what does dad make? Just because I had nothing to relate to. I was in high school and there's these jobs. I can be a pilot. I can be a fireman. And like, how much does dad make? That's none of your business. It was like, I was asking about their sex life or something like that. It was like the worst question. <laughs> yeah. Mindy just said it so eventually I snuck down to the file cabin and, and saw what my dad made. But yeah, my parents and my family to this day don't have a very good re- relationship with money uh, to put, to emphasize that when my mom was about 50, she bragged to me that she had $25,000 saved up for their retirement and i'm like oh my god she's bragging about it In my head all these alarm bells are going off and the fire trucks are coming like oh. so i don't know if my family knew about my income they might have expectations of what i should do for them and what i should pay for um so that's why i think i need to be anonymous and the whole transparency thing if uh if my neighbors knew i had that much money it might inhibit some of my real estate transactions or they might look at me different i, I always say I want to define my money. I don't want the money to define me. And I don't want people to define me by my money, too. I want to be the guy who changes his own oil and mows his own lawn, no matter what that nest egg looks like. I don't want people to think of me in terms of money first. So that's mm. it.
0: How did you two find each other? And no, I mean, I think financial compatibility in a relationship is so rare. Uh, but it seems like you two are on the same page. Did you know that going into to the marriage or it was just one of those uh, you know, for good fortunes, <laughs> like surprise fortunes?
1: You know, I think that's really important to talk about money before you get married. And even, I mean, I don't think it's a first date conversation, but it's definitely like a third or fourth date conversation. But I'm also uh, not practicing what I preach. I don't think we ever really talked about money But on the other hand, we've always both been frugal people. When we met, he was driving some kind of old car and I was driving a super old car. And we both actually owned our own homes, which was, when did we meet? We were like 25 or something. And, you know, at 25, who owns a house? So um, he actually had a, a physical structure, a house. I lived in a condo, but I still owned the condo. Um, and I remember going over to his house for the first time and I thought, oh, he lives with his parents. I didn't know that. Whatever. You know, we're only 25. And then he's like, no, that's my house. And I thought, oh, wow, that's really weird that you have like a whole house. Everybody I knew that had like a condo or, you know, it just, we never had the conversation, but we also didn't have to have the conversation.
2: Yeah. Just to clarify, we both had mortgages on it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yes. W- one story, mm-hmm. when I was at work, my uh, my first job, my boss told me that I had to buy a BMW 3 Series or else I would never find a wife because that's how you show women that you're financially, that you're good with money. And in my when she said that to me, I thought the opposite. Like, I don't want that because that might attract the wrong kind of person who thinks I have a lot of money and like to spend. So I kept my old junker and kept my old starter home. And yeah, it was serendipitous how we found each other, but boy, am I thankful for that because I think of some other relationships I had and it could have ended up very, very badly.
0: <laughs> Carl, I'm I'm curious. You grew up, you said, not in a, the most financially um, literate or even like open family upbringing was a little um, challenging financially. So where did you get your desire and determination to be financially independent at a young age?
2: Yeah, you know, I've always there's two things that go into that. One is I've always enjoyed working. So even when I was young, I would always be, I'd be the kid knocking on people's uh, front door to shovel their driveway after it snowed. I'd always be wanting to mow the lawn to get my two two dollar a week allowance. But uh, yeah, the other crazy thing was as a kid, even when I was young, I realized my parents weren't good with money. So I think. How you behave now is a reaction. Uh, probably the most extreme example was uh, you can see where this is going to go. But they're like, hey, kids, we're going to go to a timeshare presentation. And we're just going for the free Disney tickets. <laughs> I'm like, OK, wonderful. The hors d'oeuvres back. are fabulous at these. Yeah. <laughs> and they come back and they're like, we bought a timeshare. And I was like, for some reason, I was like 12 or 13. But I knew timeshares were a bad, bad idea. I'm like, oh, my God, can you get out of it? You, you know, that's not it's probably not a good <laughs> abort, idea. Abort, abort. Exactly. So, yeah, they would do things like that. And so the way I behave now was kind of a reaction. Like, they were an example. I feel bad for saying this, but because they're good people, but in a lot of ways, financially, they were an example for how not to behave.
0: What are some things, and Mindy, chime in here, that you discovered about money that you didn't know before as a result of going on this very uh, focused mission to save You know, upwards of a million dollars in such a short period of time. What did you learn about yourselves? What did you learn about money that maybe was new to you,
1: that was a discovery? I learned that you don't need a lot of money. My life, quality of life has not changed since we became laser focused on cutting out our expenses. I don't need the cable TV and I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't need. A super expensive phone plan, I have the same service with a um with a uh regular or, or what is it republic wireless we're on I have the same phone service with them and it costs you know ten dollars a month i don't miss all this stuff because it didn't really add to my life right um when we right before we first decided to do this we had a house on a lake in Wisconsin and it was this huge house we decided that the taxes were too much we wanted to move to Colorado because the weather's so much better here we bought a similar sized house but since it wasn't on a lake it was far less expensive and paying a, a significantly smaller mortgage was really nice. And it kind of lifted this huge weight off of Carl's shoulders because I still wasn't working at the time. And we discovered that we really didn't like that neighborhood. We moved to a different city. And like he said, we got this tiny little foreclosure that was hideous. But we live in a neighborhood that we absolutely love. And we are a thousand percent more happy in this tiny little house in a nice neighborhood where we can go out and hang with our neighbors and um than we ever were in those giant houses.
2: Yeah. Just for comparison, we went for, from 5,000 square feet to this one was 1,400 square feet when we bought it. That Those extra, what was it? Th- those extra 3,500 square feet added absolutely nothing to my happiness. How many square feet? Uh, the first, the house we moved from was about five thousand. Wow! I know, right? What were we thinking? And we now, talking, what is it? It, it was fourteen hundred. I've since put a wow. little addition on it, so it's like eighteen hundred now. How so. do your
0: kids like the difference?
1: They, uh, they don't have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, they love this neighborhood. We live on a dead end mm-hmm. street. And at the far end of the street, at the dead end part, they ride bikes all day long with their friends and they don't have to worry about cars coming through. The parents kind of stand around and chat and the kids get to play and they are a little bit sad in the wintertime when they can't ride the bikes.
0: And you have all this equity now in your, in your foreclosure home that you have since probably renovated to make it more <laughs> to your taste.
1: Yeah, there isn't a room we haven't touched in this house. It was really, really ugly. There was a reason it was sitting on the market.
0: And I'm guessing all those months or however long it took you to renovate and redecorate, that's time invested in your home that you're not spending at the mall or, you know, online shopping. I think sometimes when you don't have distractions that are productive and healthy and a, a smart use of your time, you do the things that end up, you know, boredom leads to a lot of spending, unnecessary spending sometimes.
1: Oh, absolutely. I used to have a friend. Well, she's still a friend, but she she used to say, I feel bad if I go to the mall and I don't come home with anything.
0: Do you think that there's a revolution going on and you're a part of it that maybe we're going to rethink the whole idea of retirement in the next 10 years? Where, especially if Social Security goes away, like what's the point, right? Of like building up to be 65 and then let go of your job? Why not find another path?
2: Yeah, I I hope so. And I think part of it is because in the old days, our identity was tied to our jobs i talk about my parents a lot my most popular post is one called death by retirement and what happened to my parents is especially my dad he lost his job during the great recession and his whole identity was tied up in his job so it uh, it's not it's not uh i'm not exaggerating to say that when he lost his job he almost died like he went into this spiral depression and it was terrible and they've since come up a little bit but it was uh in bed for twelve or fourteen hours a day, and watching TV for the rest of the time, and eating and and being unhealthy. I, I think things are changing. I think we're less tied to our jobs. We don't. Our identity isn't so much tied up. There's more of a freelance. Uh, there's more more freelancing where people jump around. So I hope it does change, and I think it will because of that. I think the idea of uh, the idea of work isn't going to be. It'll always be a core component of our life. We need money to live. But maybe we won't be as tied to it, especially mentally, which will allow us to develop our own hobbies and things like that outside of work.
0: What's a failure you guys experienced? We've talked so much about success and hard work and being diligent with your money and, and conscious with your money, but were there any missteps
2: along the way?
1: <laughs> no, we were perfect. Next question.
2: <laughs> oh, geez, there, there are tons of them. I bought, uh, I'm trying to think, I, I wrote a big list all the dumb things I've done. We've bought two new cars, which I regret. I wouldn't do that again. Uh, We bought that big lake house right before the recession happened. That was a flip, but um, that consumed our life and our money for a long time. Then we bought that other house. One funny one that I always think about happened to me in college, though. um, So in college, I was making minimum wage at a job I worked for 10 hours a week. So I'd make like $35 a week after taxes, and uh, there was a concert I wanted to go to, and the tickets were $40. I had to send a check in. It was a fan club. And I I only had like $35 in my bank account. So I'm like, ah, I'll just send the check in. I'll get paid. I'll probably get paid. You can see where this is going. I'll probably get paid before the check clears. So it turned out that didn't happen. The check cash bounced, and uh, I got hit with like a $40 fee, which was more than a week's income. It, it devastated me in college because here I am with – nothing and then that happens. I'm like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. So what I learned from that was don't spend money you don't have.
0: And along the way though, it's it's a it's I get that, but it's like you should develop some credit, right? Because credit history is important. Or are you in the camp like the Dave Ramsey camp that thinks don't ever use a credit card. Don't no. worry about credit history.
1: No, I I get where he's coming from, but I am not in that camp at all because Dave Ramsey currently has a zero credit score. Well, that doesn't help you get a mortgage. And with interest rates at, what are they, 3%, 3.5%? That's practically free money. Right. Well, you know, if you make Dave Ramsey money, you don't need a mortgage. Well, then okay. <laughs> exactly. I don't make Dave Ramsey money. Um, and I do want to leverage my cash. I don't want to pay $300,000 in cash for a house. I'd rather get a mortgage and pay slightly more than that over the course of 30 years and rent it out and then it can cash flow and you know there's another side source of income. Um no, we we are not in the the no credit camp at all. I think you should absolutely start as soon as possible building credit.
2: Yeah don't I mean <clears throat> with that I would say don't ever revolve debt on a credit card and use them wisely. We have loads of credit cards, but we know when their promotional periods come up. We know what our point value is. We use them to do stuff like hotel hacking and travel hacking. You have to be very wise about it and savvy, but I, I fully support the use of credit for the smart person who can keep up with it and handle it.
0: I think what's great about your story is that it started with inspiration from other Fellow bloggers, some of who have been on this podcast. We talk about Mr. Money Mustache. His wife, Mrs. Money Mustache, also was a guest on the show. We don't often hear from her and she had some really great insights. The simple dollar, I believe that's Trent, right?
2: Yeah, Trent Ham from Trent Iowa. Trent
0: Ham. Um, and let's, let's end on this. You know, you have two kids now and I'm sure they're maybe, I don't know how actively you talk to them about money, but they're certainly observing and learning from you passively. What, have you seen how have you seen this kind of play out through your kids? Uh, what maybe you've noticed something that they're learning that's really great, because I think how encouraging for parents, right, to know and be reminded that I'm on the right track. I'm doing a right the right thing. If my kids are picking up the great lessons, too, at an early age, who gets to learn this, you know, at eight, nine years old? What are
1: you seeing through your kids? So this is funny our six year old just the other day saw a pile of coins on the counter um that and she said uh she said, "If I had all of that money, i'd be rich well and it's it's probably like four dollars in coins she said well if if I had that plus a hundred dollars, then we'd be rich, and you could buy me whatever I wanted. Well, just one toy if I gave one away she was taking these lessons that i've taught her we're trying to um cull the herd we've got a lot of toys and we we try not to buy more things but we've got grandparents or they've got grandparents so things just come into the house all the time and that was that was really exciting that she was taking what i've said hey we don't need so much stuff and if you want a new toy you have to get rid of one or two or 10 and it, it was really fun to see her – that's part of her, her uh, money relationship right now. Oh, I don't need to buy everything. I just – I could buy one new thing if I gave away one thing. That's and, incredible. <laughs> and the older one will frequently say, hey, mom, can we buy this if we can find it on sale or if we can find it at a thrift store? Sure. If you can find that at a thrift yeah. store, you can buy it. Wouldn't it be great if more adults thought that way? <laughs>
2: exactly. We, we pay them an allowance and whenever they want something, it, they'll say, I want this at the store. And especially with the older one, I'll be like, well, how much does it cost? And she'll be like, well, it costs $5. I'm like, how much did it take? How long? How many weeks did it take you to earn that? And she'll be like, well, I make $2 a week, so over two weeks. And I'm like, well, why don't you think about it and see if you really want it? And And almost every time she'll say, no, I'll save it. So I, I can't think of a time she's actually bought anything to...
0: Wow. Well, you know what? She'll hit her million in like 15 days. You did it in 1500. You know (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) By the time she's older. Thank you so much, Carl and Mindy. Such an inspiring story. I love that we've also been capturing this as you are experiencing it. And it'd be great to maybe catch up with you in a year and see how life's changed or stay the same. And um, have a great uh, rest of the week. Wishing you continued success.
1: Thank you so much for having us, Farners. This was a great conversation.
2: Yes, thank you.
0: Thanks again to my guests, Carl and Mindy. Their website is 1500days.com. You can go there and actually see how they've been getting to all these financial milestones and uh, what their net worth is today and how it's growing in the coming weeks and months. We hopefully will follow up with them in a year when maybe they'll have $5 million in the bank. They're also on Twitter at Retire in 1500 If you have a question for me, you know what to do. Go to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, send in your question or your comment or your follow-up, and I'll address it in a forthcoming Ask Farnoosh episode on Friday. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope your day is so money.